Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to our Michigan Man Extra for this month. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. As we record today, we are just eight days from the opening of the season. As we expected, Jim Harbaugh and his staff have been very quiet since practice started. That all changes next week. On Monday, Jim has the first of his regular Monday pressers, and we will see what he has to say. One thing we do know is that the recruiting process ramps up when the season starts. Recruits can begin taking official visits, and everything changes this December with the early signing period. We think, anyway. Um, My guest today is not so sure about that. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports joins us next to profile some of the big names we're still in on and give us his thoughts on Wilton Spate, the Florida opener, and much, much more. Here on The Michigan Man, on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brook. Back with us on our Michigan Man Extra for this month to talk a, a bit of recruiting and more. Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. Great to have you back, Steve. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it as always. Well, at this point, as we are well aware, the season kicks off in just a week, which also means the beginning of official visit season for recruits or the resumption. So besides coaching, uh, Jim Harbaugh and his staff will have some very important visitors at these games and on campus in the coming weeks, won't they? Yes. Uh you know, it's, this is in a lot of ways, I always kind of say, you know, for the kids that haven't verbally committed yet, and in a lot of cases, some who already have, uh, this is when things really start to heat up. Uh, you know, you'll start to learn who's contending for who, that type of thing. And uh, a lot of ways, you know, you know, the thing, I mean, you know, especially for Michigan with kids coming like California or Texas or uh, Oregon or, you know, places that are far away, Florida even, uh, a lot of these Michigan hasn't had the opportunity to host a lot of these kids yet. So this is their big opportunity. Um, I think that schools should get to host. I think they're going to start doing the official visits in the spring next year or in the summer. I think that's a great idea. Uh, kind of builds that bridge. You know, a lot of times Michigan's fighting for a kid from California, like say he's from LA, he's been to USC 10 times. He's been to UCLA six times hasn't been to Michigan yet makes it really difficult for Michigan to make a really strong impression, uh, you know, in those situations, but you keep winning football games. Michigan had the great draft too. I still think it's going to have a big reverberating effect on their recruiting going forward. Um, they'll always, they're going to have a puncher's chance. So yeah, official visit season is kind of where we separate the men from the boys in most races. Well, as of today, the class of 2018 has 13 verbals. I think they represent six States. With the early signing period in December, do you expect we're going to see the class start filling up before that traditional national signing day in February? I think it's going to vary. I still think the elite, elite guys, the top, top targets, the best, best players in the country, I think they're still going to wait till February. I'd be surprised if a lot of them uh, decided before December. Some will, I'm sure. Uh, For the most part, though, because you still have the All-American games after that. Kids love to announce on national TV that whole song and dance. So uh, I think it'd be mixed, but I would I would bet that most elite players are going to wait until uh, the February signing period, just because, you know, a lot of those races are still going to be really heated at that point, too. Uh, you know, this is when you got 
Alabama and Georgia going at it for a guy or Alabama and Clemson or Clemson and Florida state or, you know, Michigan and Ohio state or whoever, uh, those battles a lot of times can be get even closer actually, uh, you know, the, the closer it gets to signing day. So I think for, especially for non-verbally committed kids though, uh, you know, Michigan does have 13 verbals. I would expect, we haven't really gone around and asked all of them yet, but I would expect that most of the guys they have verbally committed right now are going to sign in December. Uh, I'd be surprised if, you know, the vast majority of them don't. I'm not going to say that all 13 of them will because there's always a possibility there. Uh, but I think the most of their current verbals will sign in December and get it over with. Uh, it'll just be a matter of, yeah, like, do some of the other targets decide earlier or or later on? So uh, it's usually, like I said, usually a mixed bag, but I think most of the big-time prospects usually wait till the later on stages. You know, the the – the All-American games always want kids to announce there. It's what draws people in. So, you know, the fact that those games are after that December signing period leads me to believe, you know, that I think there's going to be more than maybe people realize that are going to actually stick it through and go to February. Well, in this week's Detroit Free Press, you wrote about some of the big-time recruits still on Michigan's want list. We've talked about them before on some of the uh, previous shows, but let's take a look at some of these guys and get your take on our chances or improving chances of landing them. And that's starting with uh, tight end Mustafa Muhammad uh, from down in Texas. Does the staff still feel pretty good about getting him? Yeah, from what I know, they do. Uh, you know, they got the loop scone maker, the, the diamond in the rough, I guess we could say, out of Connecticut that came out of nowhere, uh, you know, verbally committed at tight end. That means Mustafa's far and away. I mean, he kind of already was anyway, but he's far and away the number one target left on the board. Uh, I really don't think Michigan's that interested in Luke Ford uh, out of Illinois. I think it's Mustafa right now, and then maybe a kid named Michael uh, Eziki out of out of Colony, California, as maybe the secondary target. But again, Mustafa's far and away their number one guy there. He has been almost since the beginning. I mean, it was it was Muhammad and Ruckert as number one and two on the board forever. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert being the Ohio State commitment. Uh, as far as I know, Michigan still feels really good about him. Uh, every, you know, the crystal balls, like he actually, uh, uh, Brian Peroni of our Texas A&M site interviewed Mustafa last week. And he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't understand why there's like 30, all 30 predictions are for me to go to Michigan. Uh, you know, that could be just him playing coy. Really the difficult thing for me has been trying to figure out who's really the other major contender uh is it clemson you know clemson's always going to i would assume clemson's always going to be a factor i mean uh i think their tight end won the Mackey the year before jake butt and uh coming off a national championship you always kind of have to take notice with a school like that and lsu maybe as well uh you know baton rouge sec i mean always can be kind of a draw so mustafa probably not going to decide anytime soon i know here's the thing one thing i'd say about the crystal balls there was a really big reason that a lot of them came around the time of the spring game. Um, I think a lot of many, myself included, actually expected him to verbal at that on that visit. I think there were some strong signals that he was going to. Uh, that being said, I still feel really good about Michigan's chances. Uh, they've barely expanded their tight end board at all. That's the one thing I always watch. Haven't really offered any new players there. Haven't really made any new pursuits. So. Uh, as of today, I think they're in pretty good shape still. Well, another of the uh, the names we keep hearing about is a four-star defensive tackle, Michael Thompson out of St. Louis. It appears it's down to Michigan and Missouri from what I read for this kid as far as his decision, Steve. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, 
you know, I think I think his, his other final three, he's got a final five. I think it was Ohio State, Alabama, LSU. Uh, I think LSU maybe still in that mix too. Haven't heard much about Alabama or Ohio State really thinking that they're in it with him. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. I think it's Michigan or Missouri. You know, Michigan, I, I'm sure we'll talk about Friday and Sandage. Michigan's like in a real similar position with all three guys where they're kind of fighting a hometown school uh, in all three recruitments, they really might be the, the, in the final two for all three, and they're battling against a hometown school for all of them. Uh, Missouri's done a really good job at producing defensive linemen, actually, and putting defensive linemen in the NFL, uh, even though, you know, I don't think they're ever really viewed as a power necessarily in the SEC. Uh, you know, St. Louis kids have kind of gravitated towards Missouri for a long time. St. Louis is loaded this year uh, in the 18 cycle and in the 19 cycle strong too. Uh, this one's kind of a mystery. He's another, like that's the other common theme between all three of the defensive tackles. They're all really quiet. Uh, they don't do many interviews. They don't say much. Uh, I do know that I think Thompson is someone that another guy that I think they feel there's some confidence there. Uh, I don't think it's a, like, again, there's no Michigan crystal balls in there. I'm not close to one yet. I'd have to hear more than what I've heard so far. Uh, but he's definitely a guy I think Michigan feels like they have a legitimate shot of signing. We've been shut out in New Jersey so far in this uh, recruiting year, uh, but defensive tackle Tyler Friday, who is being recruited also by Penn State, I hear they're coming on strong. And, of course, Rutgers is uh, in the picture for a, an in-state kid. Is uh, he still considered a Michigan lean or a still a priority for us? Yes, he's, he's another guy uh, that's, He's been on Michigan's recruiting board forever. Uh, he was one of the first prospects in the 18 class they offered and uh, has been a top target for them pretty much since that day. You know, it's another Chris Partridge recruitment. Michigan has not, yeah, they have not struck in New Jersey yet. I would say they have not recruited New Jersey as hard as they have in cycles past. They lost out on Shane Simon to Notre Dame. Uh, and Justin Shorter, who committed to Penn State, uh, people, Michigan fans might not even heard that name, uh, but he was a guy that Michigan really liked. He just committed to Penn State really, really early uh, before they went on their big run last year to go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think he's a guy that Michigan would have been more involved with if Penn State hadn't turned things around on the field so quickly. So, uh, you know, they really haven't pursued a ton of guys in the, in the, in the state this cycle. Uh, Friday is kind of the top guy left, although, again, I still maintain that they're going to continue to recruit Shane Simon uh, until he signs signs uh, on the dotted line. But, uh, yeah, Rutgers has been mentioned a lot here. I know Steve Wolfong, our national guy, put in a crystal ball for Rutgers, which, again, I know most Michigan fans are kind of like, what? Like, why would uh, why would any kid choose Rutgers right now? Uh, which, you know, it's just you know, some guys like to stay closer to home. Uh, I don't necessarily think that that's the way this one's going to end. They're going to struggle mightily on the field again this year, just have a hard time seeing a kid who's got – Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan still involved. Uh, I think UCLA and Miami also are two schools that are not not maybe big threats with Friday, but are schools that are still recruiting him, and I think he may take officials. Uh, you know, those, it's going to be really hard for Rutgers to beat schools like that when it comes down to it. Michigan's been there since the beginning. He loves the New Jersey connection there. Uh, he's a big fan of Rashawn Gary. And, uh, yeah, another guy, I'd say they're in the top two. I just, it really might be them or Rutgers right now. Penn state's biggest question is they may be full at defensive tackle. Uh, they got PJ Mustafer and Neas Hawkins, a couple four stars. Um, I'm not sure how many more they're going to take in the middle. 
Uh, we'll have to see. Same with Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State's after Tommy Togiai out of Idaho, actually, a uh, big recruiting hotbed. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're after him pretty heavily, too. So I'm not sure where Friday sits on their board at this point either. So I, Michigan or Rutgers right now, in my opinion, Again, another really quiet kid, though. Uh, doesn't say much as far or doesn't tip his hand at all. Here's another kid we've talked about before. Rick Sandage, huge defensive tackle from South Carolina. From what I read, it's down to Michigan and South Carolina for him. Now his mom is an SC grad. You would think it's going to be tough to get this kid up north, especially with those SC connections, wouldn't you, Steve? Yeah, I think so. He's a guy that about a month or so ago, coming off of his visit, were probably some of the stronger vibes of, of the three defensive tackles we talked about. His unofficial visit to Michigan appeared to be maybe the most effective or best. Mom loved it up there. Uh, who Mom is playing a big role in this recruitment. I know Michigan fans are used to that with elite defensive tackles for some reason only, you know, with Aubrey Solomon and then Rashawn Gary each year. It seems like they're after a kid whose mom is like heavily involved in, in the recruiting process. Uh, but yeah, I know. Matter of fact, speaking of you know, Steve Wilfong, our national guy, just put in a crystal ball for South Carolina yesterday. Usually, a pretty good indication of where things lie, at least at this point. Uh, Georgia's probably the third school in there. I think Georgia's still involved. But of the three, a month ago, if you'd asked me a month ago, I'd have said maybe they had the best chance with Sandage. Looking at it now, he might be the third on that list. Uh, but I wouldn't count Michigan out as far as is. At this point, again, another situation where South Carolina really could very easily struggle on the field this year, and that stuff absolutely matters. Uh, even even though it's only Muschamp's second year there, uh, that stuff matters. And if Michigan can put together a good season, these those are the kind of recruiting battles they can win. If they win games and the teams they're competing against maybe start to struggle a little bit on the field. So um, not a guy they're going to give up on in any way, shape, or form. I ex- he'll be up for an official. I'd be very surprised if he didn't take an official to Michigan at some point. Uh, but, yeah, I'd say of the three guys we've talked about at defensive tackle, he's probably the one they have the least shot with at this as far as today goes. Well, another kid that I keep reading about is a Miami Hurricane commit, Josh Job, who committed to them back in 2015, which, as you mentioned, in the free press is a lifetime ago. Uh, he must be giving off some good vibes if Michigan stays after him. So what's up with this kid? What's up with him is a really good question. Uh, it's one of the, so again, he's committed to Miami and he's been committed to Miami the whole time, but it's been one of the more fireworky, like crazy recruitments behind the scenes, at least according to everyone I've ever talked to about this one. I think Michigan, I, I mean, I think, at least as of today, I know for a fact as of about a month ago, I don't know if things have changed in that time, that all three of Michigan, Alabama, and Miami think that they're, they think there's a real shot they're going to sign this kid. Um, it's, those are the th- only three schools that are left. Those are the only three schools I believe that he's even talking to. Um, Michigan, it's, it's an interesting one because Alabama's hosted him like two or three times. Michigan, Miami's hosted him like probably literally probably about 40 times, you know, since he's committed, he's been there a million times, uh, you know, weekly at some points, Michigan hasn't gotten him up yet. Uh, they thought they were going to get him up for the barbecue. It wasn't able to work out, but they have the one ace in the hole is that, is that he transferred to Cheshire Academy in Connecticut this year. Cause he's a little bit too old to play high school football in Florida and Cheshire Academy, of course, where Tariq Black was from. Uh, last cycle, but 
it's more importantly than that, it's a place where Don Brown has a great reputation. Um, I mean, he's pretty much got a great reputation with any of those schools on the Eastern seaboard, um, in the new England area, especially, but Cheshire Academy is where, you know, we've been told in the past that, you know, if Brown wants a guy from Cheshire Academy, he'll get him. And, uh, that's kind of been the one thing I know because his, uh, his transfer to Cheshire was something that was made public like a while ago that he was going to end up there. And uh, that was one of the things that gave me pause to think that, you know, Michigan may actually have a shot here. Normally a kid that's been committed to Miami that long and then Alabama is the other school involved. You think, no way, Michigan, these aren't, those aren't the kind of kids Michigan wins. Uh, this one may be different. Uh, we'll have to see, you know, Josh Uche, because he played at Columbus High School in Miami, was where Josh Uche went. Uh, they're still in contact. They're still good friends. Um, again, I don't know how much of a difference that'll make, you know, at the, at the end of the day, but it, it's helped a little bit. And, uh, yeah, an instant, he'd be an instant impact guy in the defensive backfield too. Uh, could play cornerback, could play safety. That's what one of the big things Don Brown likes about him. He could throw him in a lot of different areas, use him in a lot of different scenarios. So, uh, that's why they're still pursuing him. He's just flat out one of the best defensive backs in the country. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. It's been a wacky one. Although, like I said, really at the end of the day, the end result's been the same. He's been committed to Miami. A lot of times you talk about wacky recruitments. You're talking about guys who have decommitted or and committed three or four times, but um, he stayed steady for the most part, but I just know that all three of those programs think that they're going to get him. Well, as we mentioned at the top, Steve, we have 13 verbals so far representing six states, uh, some big-time players still leaning our way and are available out there. And even though overall the numbers might be smaller this year, well, will be smaller this year, right now it seems to be shaping up to uh, to be a very good class that, that meets the needs and adds depth. So you've got to like what we're seeing so far. See, I do. So for the free press a couple weeks ago, I wrote about how this class is complementing 16 and 17 really well. And I, I rarely read the comments anymore because they're usually such a waste of time. Uh, but I noticed that this one had a lot of comments on it and, and a lot of them were negative as far as like the star rankings, you know, it's not as high as what it's been the last two cycles and why not? We've had two great classes. They've won 10 games, two years in a row. My, I've approached this. This class is kind of building up the way I thought it would. 16 and 17 brought in a lot of elite players pretty much across the board. At almost, I mean, they've loaded up at almost every position, save for probably tight end and maybe running back. Uh, although, again, when we signed, when we talked on National Signing Day 2016, I don't think anybody thought Chris Evans was going to be who he was. You know, so uh, at least from the running back position, and. Uh, so I've always looked at 18 because it was going to be a smaller class as a it's full of guys who have super, super high ceilings. And that's what I think is the best complement to the more consistent, sure things uh, that they've gotten in 16 and 17. I mean, I look at guys like Jemin Green, Sammy Faustin as guys at the coaching staff just absolutely loves their potential uh, in the defensive backfield. Same with Jalen Mayfield and Ryan Hayes as offensive tackles. Uh, guys who their ceilings are just, they're among the highest in the country. And then, of course, Joe Milton is the ultimate of, in that regard as a guy who really is has the physical tools that I don't think Michigan's ever recruited at the quarterback position. So I like the way that it complements the last two cycles. Uh, people aren't patient, though. Uh, you know, they're still in a lot of races for some big-time players. We just talked about five of them. Uh, I 
don't anticipate they're not going to that they're not going to get at least some of those elite guys that they're still after, especially if they continue to win. So, yeah, I mean, tight end is the one position where I, they got to get at least one more guy. Uh, you know, I know Ryan Hayes may start his career at tight end, but I don't think that's where his ultimate future is at. So um, he's kind of a malleable guy, I guess. But uh, tight end's the one spot. Uh, they feel really good about, again, another guy, Christian Turner, uh, the three-star running back. His recruiting profile is a little underwhelming ranking rating-wise, uh, but he missed most of last year uh, with an injury and uh, was one of the best running backs at the opening, you know, at Nike headquarters in July. And uh, I think he, I think they won their first game already. I think he ran for like 150 and a couple touchdowns, but uh, you know, another guy that again, doesn't have the, you know, he doesn't have the top 100 next to his name or he's not a, you know, but somebody that the staff really, really likes a lot. So uh, I don't know how people don't trust this staff's ability to evaluate. I think there are, you know, some people too often just look at the stars and I get that because I, that's, we are the star makers, I guess. Uh, so I understand, but this is a staff that knows what they're looking for. Uh, just look at who the, who's going to be playing a lot this year and look at how underranked some of those guys were, you know, like a Josh Metellus, a Sean McCune, a great example of a guy that the staff immediately fell in love with and uh, knew right away that he could be a guy and then he should see some significant playing time this year. So, um, and the list really goes on, uh, you know, so I like 18 so far. Again, I feel like, if they, I mean, if they whiff on the rest of their top targets, I, I probably join the group in saying it's a bit of a disappointment. But uh, overall, they have the depth right now, young depth in the last two classes they've recruited, and now they can recruit some guys that really could explode and become like superstar players in eighteen. With us on our Michigan man extra for the month of August, Steve Lorenz from Twenty Four Seven Sports, uh, with our recruiting update for the month. But let's uh, talk about our present group of Michigan Wolverines for just a couple of minutes, Steve. I think Jim is going to release the roster on Monday, I think. I'm not sure if it's uh, (laughs) because of that NewJersey.com filing a Freedom of Information request, which was pretty wacky. But, I mean, do you understand what the big hullabaloo is about this whole release the roster or not release the roster thing? It seems uh, a lot of people get worked up about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, NewJersey.com has needed Jim Harbaugh for clicks pretty much since he got hired. I mean, they manufactured the whole satellite camp war, uh, they called it, last year, which was a complete joke. Um, you know, Michigan wanted to run a camp with Rutgers. That was the funniest thing about the whole situation. Michigan wanted to run one big camp, you know, between with the two schools and if Ohio State wanted to come or whoever wanted to come, they were more than welcome. Uh, but Rutgers was the one that insisted on doing two separate camps. Yet they made it sound like you know it was New Jersey dot com. Made it sound like it was a Michigan thing. So uh, that was always kind of funny. And then yeah, the FOIA uh, request or whatever. That's to me. I mean, I really that's me. That's just them. Like they need action. They need people to click on their site. Like there's really no other. Uh, I think what the guys say. He wanted to find out like which players on their roster were from New Jersey. Well, there's multiple areas you can find that out without having to get Michigan's actual roster. Um, I know Brian Cook at MGO blog, like sent him a link to their updated roster like three times, you know, and that, which is as updated as it's going to get. So no, I don't, that's, you know, it's Harbaugh. He's always been that way. I think he was, he's always been secretive about that stuff. The two things he's always done, he's never been big on, depth charts and rosters that are made public and he's never been big on telling us who the quarterback's going to be even when it you know when all indications point towards one person so uh 
from my standpoint, I just, whatever, it'll be great when it comes out. Uh, but not really the big, uh, <laughs> you know, Harbaugh draws like big reactions, no matter what he does. So it's, it's that's kind of the way I look at it. Well, coach McElwain down in Florida got a lot of press uh, this week by telling a group of students, they were going down to Texas to beat the heck out of Michigan. And then yesterday he was talking about this whole roster thing and told the reporters, Hey, when you guys find out what that roster is, let me know. So he's been in the news popping off uh, a bit this week. I know a lot of Michigan fans get stirred up about that kind of thing, but I don't think that kind of stuff, uh, those kind of statements resonate like they used to, do they? Especially with uh, the opponent or with Michigan. No. I mean, what's he, you know, as far as the we're going to go down to Texas and beat Michigan, I don't really know what else he's supposed to tell. You know, I mean, you're supposed to get your people fired up and stuff. I don't really know. Uh, you know, how else he can approach a situation like that. And then the roster thing, yeah, I think he was, you know, was it uh, Nick Rolovich at Hawaii made that comment last year, something about the film or something about sharing film or something like that, uh, you know, and then he came out and said that he was just trying to be funny. Uh, I suspect it was probably something similar uh, with McIlwain too. I mean, they know who Michigan's got. I mean, they're, you know, they're not dumb. And then they'll – you know, Michigan hasn't started, like, if I remember right, the players were saying they hadn't really started their Florida prep yet either. Uh, I think they're, I think a lot of these teams, they just get through fall camp and then they just approach it the same way they do any other game. There's game week, you know, and so I think uh, the real prep will start next week. And, uh, but no, I, 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 I assuming it's some tongue in cheek stuff. And yeah, like I said, he's just supposed to get his, you got to get your guys fired up, your students, your fans. I mean, that's what you, that's part of your job as a coach is to, you know, get everybody amped up and everything. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see Michigan as like posting that on the bulletin board or anything like that. I mean, they shouldn't, uh, against a really quality opponent like Florida, you really shouldn't need any of that type of stuff to get you going and get you fired up. Well, I guess this coming Monday is a, a big press day as far as a lot of Michigan fans are concerned. And I keep hearing, oh, that's when we're going to hear an announcement about who the starting quarterback is. And I'm not sure that's true at all or if it matters. But regardless uh, of who starts under center against Florida next Saturday, we're going to learn a lot about this team. Uh, well, we think we are. Uh, first games are very deceiving many times. But this Florida defense, one thing we do know, they've carried that program for the last few years, and uh, they lost a lot of players to the NFL. But just like Michigan, they are stacked with talent. Incredibly good test for this offense, isn't it? Yes. Uh, you know, we know how young Michigan's going to be at wide receiver this year. Uh, I think their defensive backs are really going to give Michigan some challenges on the outside. Uh, same as it's been for Michigan in any big game. Their offensive line's got to come through against a great opponent. Uh, Florida's defensive front is strong. They did lose some guys. I think they're a little bit soft as far as depth-wise in the middle, but you could say the same thing about Michigan this year, at least as far as proven depth. I mean, again, either one of these teams could have a, a second uh, a second unit guy step up and, and look like a, a stud. So uh, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I don't see how it's not and how it doesn't kind of end up being a defensive-minded matchup. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, the thing, this is the thing. We talk about the quarterback. We assume it'll be Wilton. Uh, I think Wilton could be the guy that's the difference. Like, why Why couldn't he be, I guess, is the best. You know, he's experienced. He's played a lot of big games. Uh, he's played against what I would say Florida's defense should be good, but he's played against some what I would say are better defenses. Uh, last year, I think Ohio State um, and Florida State's defense was ferocious in that game last year, at least uh, at least around the edges. Uh, 
I think he could be the guy that could be the difference in this game. Uh, he's not, I just still don't think he gets enough credit for what he did. Michigan's passing offense was among the best in the big 10, at least last year. Uh, one of the better offenses really in the country. Uh, you know, I think that year that, that another year of experience, having him as sort of a guiding force, I mean, it's the first time that Michigan's brought back a starter at quarterback in how long? I mean, it feels like it's been forever since they've had somebody come back for a second year uh, to play quarterback. So uh, I think in a way he could be the difference. Uh, I think Michigan, I'm I'm really interested to see what Michigan's tight ends can do. Again, another young but just tantalizing group of guys with Wheatley Jr. Uh, Bunting not young, but again, a guy really stepped up big time against Florida State after Jake Butt went down. So Interested to see what those guys can do against uh, Florida's linebackers. I think they graduated all three of their starters or two of their three for sure. Uh, it will be interesting, though. I uh, feel like there's going to be some bumps on the road offensively. There just has to be with the turnover. But, again, like with Spate kind of being that steadying force, um, I'm really interested to see how he comes out and plays. Yeah, I think definitely going to be some bumps on the road. You have to with as many young guys, especially on offense. And that's why when I look at next Saturday's game, to me it's one of those games – just win the game. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if they gift it to us. Just get a W against a very good team. You move on. A loss in the opener against a Florida, it's not going to kill you. But when you have so many young guys playing, a win on that stage would certainly be a welcome boost to their confidence, wouldn't it, Steve? That's I, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing for me in this game is that it's. I think it's one of those things where for a lot of guys that if they – if they could just do it, like if they could just like, you know, whether it's a kid, like whether it's a young guy makes a, his first like really big catch or, uh, you know, or breaks off, breaks off a big run or, you know, a couple pancake blocks. Uh, those can be like really jump start type situations for a lot of guys. And there's a ton of guys like that for Michigan this year that need like that positive experience, I guess is the best way I'd put it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, you get out of that game, and then you, you know, I'm not going to say they're all automatics or whatever, but then you got a pretty easy schedule for the next four or five weeks to kind of get acclimated and get guys, uh, you know, get the offense running a little bit better, get, you know, just kind of oil the machine a little bit more. And then you're in, you know, you get into the heart of October and November and they're more battle tested. They're more refined. They know the offense. Uh, and again, that's another reason why I think Spade is so important and is so people aren't giving him enough credit like he can kind of be the guy to guide some of these young guys through this uh and and help uh and make life a little bit easier for him because yeah like you said um, uh it'd be hard not to agree there will be some bumps in the road in some capacity they're not going to come out and look like a million bucks off the bat so uh so yeah i'm big on that type of stuff though it's there's no doubt that if they can like if just a few big plays or there's just what all it takes is one big play to boost the guy's confidence in my opinion to to maybe get that guy to realize okay i can play at this level like i know i know what i can you know there's just more confidence in their abilities uh you know so there'll be plenty of opportunities like i said for guys to do that in this game a kid like you know if a Tariq black comes out and has a big game that could be the really uh could be the catapult to a, an awesome career for him really or in the same with donovan people's jones obviously so um you know it'll be it's it's going to be the way I look at it anyway. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the more fun seasons to cover Michigan football because I think you're going to learn a bunch of the new household names will start to emerge. The ones that the guys will be kind of next as far as like the next stars that uh, for the team and the program. Uh, you know, I think I think there's some excitement in that. 
Um, I think the, it's going to be proof that the future with the program is really, really bright. And, uh, yeah, I always get interested to see who's going to be the guy that steps up, you know, and so we'll, we'll find out right away, though. I mean, it'll be – should know pretty quickly, you know, who are the guys that are going to separate themselves. We're going to see a few hiccups not only uh, on the offensive side this Saturday but early in the season. But it seems most fans, and you can include Coach Don Brown in this group, expect the D to pick up right where they left off last year. At least he's saying that publicly. I don't think that's going to happen um, just like last year, but that Florida offense in the opener, especially that offensive line, which is supposed to be pretty good. And now the fact that we might see three quarterbacks, I don't know if McIlwain's just throwing that out there or we're actually going to see three very different types of quarterbacks. Uh, all in all, though, nice challenge for this defense. Yeah, I think so. I th- I think that, th- I mean, if the three quarterbacks thing, this is the way I have to look at because a couple months ago I picked I picked Florida to win this game. Uh, if their quarterback situation is in, is as in flux as it sounds like it is, I mean that's you can't ask for more if you're Michigan's defense, especially uh, losing Antonio Callaway too uh, is such a big loss for Florida because he could have taken the top off of that defense and maybe let them run the ball a little bit better. Um, it, Michigan's defensive backs aren't going to have. I mean, they're still going to be a challenge, obviously, but it won't be the same challenge it would have been with a guy like Callaway in there. So. Uh, I think if Michigan, I think the biggest thing for Michigan is they got to slow down Jordan Scarlett, their running back. Uh, great player, going to be the number one guy for them this year. I know they split carries a little bit more last season. Uh, he's got some real potential back there. Uh, I, but I think Michigan hones in on the run and then just kind of forces one of these quarterbacks or all three of these quarterbacks to try to beat them. Uh, I'm big of the school. If you if you have three, if you don't have was if you don't have you don't have one quarterback if you have three quarterbacks or whatever like that. you know I'm big on that idea I think that's a nightmare scenario for Florida that nobody has kind of stepped up and seized that job I also know too uh, Tom Goldcamp our uh, our Florida beat writer from 24/7 Sports uh, has mentioned that the offensive line has remained a bit underwhelming too in fall camp so you know I it's hard not to give Michigan a side even with the, the turnover. Uh, again, Don Brown said this continuously too. Yes, they technically lost a lot of starters, but almost all of these guys played a lot last year. These aren't like spring chickens. These aren't guys who are playing, getting their first taste of legitimate action. You see, Metellus had a had a really had a nice game against Florida State uh, in the bowl game. Tyree Kinnell has played a ton. Uh, he's played all three. You know, this is his third year. He's played the first two years. Uh, the f- defensive line, yeah, none of those guys were starters, but they're gonna, still going to be one of the best defensive lines in the country. Uh, at least the first unit will be. Um, of course, everyone talks about cornerback. I mean, I, I think that's where the big question mark remains. Uh, we'll have to see how it goes. But, yeah, with no Callaway and no a merger at quarterback, uh, that's about the best you could ask for when cornerback's kind of the one spot they have a big question mark at. Final question for you, Steve. Uh, the season hasn't even started yet, and fans I hear from, I get a steady stream of email uh, thinking about the end of the season and that visit from Ohio State. And we all know that is getting the cart ahead of the horse, but that is the way it is with fans and with that Ohio State game, especially with what we've experienced in the last decade. Ohio State must win game every year. We all agree on that. Jim Harbaugh does not want to start out 0-3 against Urban. So, is it fair to say this is truly uh, a no excuses, the time has come, must win game this year for Michigan? I don't know. I I, I, I just don't believe in that type of stuff. I, it, 
they're they're going to be facing a four-year starter at quarterback. Not say I think Michigan can definitely win that game. I mean, there's you know I don't doubt that. I mean, you know they're young. They lost a lot of they lost a ton of talent to the NFL as well and the graduation. It's not like they're not replace you know having to replace a lot of guys. Um, I don't know. I, I don't buy. I'm not really big into that stuff. I mean, if you can't appreciate six inches. They're six inches away, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that's from what happened last year. That, that it's less than, they're less than a foot away from winning that game, being one and one against Urban and probably being in the college football playoff last year. Uh, that's the way I look at it. I think, you know, Myers had time to build what he's done at Ohio State and Michigan's still, you know, rebuilding, not a phrase anybody likes to hear, but I mean, he's, Harbaugh's still building the program in his image right now. Uh, this is kind of the first year really where, it's going to be primarily his guys. Uh, the, you know, the fact that it is in Ann Arbor, I think does put some, I think, I think it'll be the first game where there maybe is some pressure. Uh, again, I don't think much of it is, or it's, uh, you know, the way I look at it is this Michigan's not going to get a better head coach than what they have right now. They don't have a better shot as far as a staff goes to, to win big and to go to a national championship or to go to the college football playoff than, than who they have right now. Uh, so if they lose, does that mean, you know, is there pressure on him all of a sudden? I don't necessarily buy that. Uh, I it's, it's just, the Ohio state game is always a must win game for Michigan, no matter what in my, that's, that's the way I've always looked at it. Yes. They've been on the losing side for, you know, as long as we can remember at this point, but I think that game is always a must win game uh, to go. And three, It'd be disappointing. I mean, there's just no way around it. But again, I just these programs are in different spots still. Um, this is like the golden era right now for Ohio State under Meyer. Just the way they've recruited for a prolonged period of time. Again, they have a four-year starter at quarterback who's probably going to be a Heisman Trophy contender. Um, you know, they're just different programs in different spots right now. But Mich- I think Michigan's closing the gap. I think the way that game turned out last year, I think that proved that that Michigan's getting there. Uh, the days of what happened with uh, under Rodriguez specifically in this game, and then more a little more so with Hoke, although Hoke actually had some decent success against Ohio State himself. Uh, I think those days are gone. And uh, I think last year, to me, I look at it more of like Michigan's got to slowly close the gap and then maybe try to turn the tables. And uh, this year could be the year where they maybe start to turn the tables a little bit. Again, like I said, last year really illustrates to me that this – this rivalry is going to be there and that Michigan's going to hold their end up, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, you know, I don't know. Fans are going to be fans of that stuff. I don't doubt. I think I'd say this. I think, I think beating Ohio state is should be Michigan. I think it's the top goal. Um, I don't necessarily look at this team and think they're going to make the playoffs. Um, they're just too young in too many spots. They're talented as heck. I, you know, but I don't, I can't look at them on paper and say, yeah, they're going to run the table. Uh, so I think maybe beating Ohio State should be the number one. You know, if you're a fan, I guess that would be the number one goal. So I get it from that. I get it from that aspect. But is it a must-win for like Harbaugh and the staff? I, I just, no, I, I've never really bought that idea. That's true. And fans, uh, as you said, our fans. Uh, that's the last game of the year. We've got Florida next week, so let's worry about that and take it one week at a time. And no matter what happens, it's going to be a huge game Thanksgiving weekend, so we should just cool our jets and and wait for it to get here. I'm sure we'll have plenty of recruiting news to talk about during the season, Steve, and and when that happens, we are going to be certain to get you back on. My guest on our Michigan Man Extra for this month of August has been Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports. 
As always, Steve, good stuff, and we look forward to your next visit. Thanks as always, Mike. Appreciate it. Thanks again to Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports for being our guest on this month's Michigan Man Extra. I think we're all previewed out by now. It's time for the rubber to meet the road. And next Saturday, it will, down in Texas, when we finally get to tee it up against the number 15-ranked Florida Gators. On Tuesday's Michigan Game Day segment, we'll start the season off with the Angel of the Big House. Michigan beat writer Angelique Shengelis from the Detroit News will join me. On Thursday, we're scheduled to have former Gator running back Brady Ackerman from the IMG Gator Football Network. Brady also hosts the pre- and post-game shows uh, on the network. If Brady can't swing it because his schedule is a a bit crazy with the home opener next week, actually the uh, neutral field opener down in Dallas, if we can't get Brady, we will get someone else from the uh, Florida media crew to uh, get us updated on what's going on with Coach Jim McElwain and his Gators. So the long wait is finally over. Next week, it's game week. I'm ready, and I'm guessing you are too. So have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. I'll see you back here on Tuesday with the angel of the big house, Angelique Shengelis. Until then, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!